and we're live. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here joined by Tom Gagnon, uh, running for sheriff of the county locally. Um, thank you for joining the podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you listening harder. Uh, if you're local, make sure to share this with a friend before Election Day. And uh, let's just have a conversation about the community. Tom? Uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you so much for that. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Um, do you want, do you have any? Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask whether uh, you had like an introduction you wanted to share. Yeah, I can just uh, kind of tell you, tell everybody a little bit about myself. Uh, my name's Tom Gagnon. Um, I'm married to my wife, Kyleen. We've been married for coming up on 12 years here in September. We have a uh, 10 year old girl and twin seven-year-olds, a girl and a boy. Our family is involved. The girls uh, are participating in American Heritage Girls, and my boy participates in Trail Life USA. All three of my kids uh, attend gymnastics. Um, fall time, you probably won't find us at home if I've got a day off of work because we'll be up north hunting. Um, our whole family enjoys enjoys hunting as an activity for Whatever, you name it, we're, we're game to go try and ethically hunt it. Um, we also do a lot of gardening in our spare time. Kind of like having that ability to be self-sufficient, not have to rely on others for basic needs. Um, I've been involved with law enforcement now for 21 years. 19 of it uh, coming up this December will have been in a licensed capacity. In those 19 years, I've served uh, as an undercover narcotics investigator, a general investigator. Um, I was a reserve advisor, so that's adults who want to either A, get back to their community or are looking to get involved with law enforcement. So we teach them kind of what we do as a day-to-day -day basis as a police officer. Um, I also did the same thing for the Explorers, <clears throat> which is high school age children, um, 15 to the year of 21, if they start um, that year before they turn 21, they can finish that year out. Um, I've also been and currently am a use of force instructor, a firearms instructor, a field training officer, and a SWAT team member. SWAT team. So that's just kind of a little, that's a, yeah, that's man, a colorful background. I had no idea yeah, you were. I've had a lot of them. So, so, so deep into Sorry. the, I had no idea you had so like deep, deep roots. Like I, like SWAT, that's a pretty high level. I heard you say um, something about undercover. That, that kind of got my attention pretty fast. Um. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I've, I've had a job since I was 14, and I just turned 43 uh, six days ago or so. Um, but the four years I spent working undercover narcotics and violent crimes was the best job I ever had. Yeah, it was all proactive work going after people selling weapons illegally, and selling drugs it was it was a blast uh, it sounds like you have a really fun a fun time it's a little dangerous but it, it's a kind of it sounds like you you picked a career path where you kind of know your purpose and that it's like when you know one's own purpose it's so so rewarding to wake up at all because you you just wake up and you start going and you start going you don't have time to think is this what i should be doing when you know what it is you should be doing absolutely <clears throat> Oh, let's see. 
I have a little bit of a structure. I took some notes today, a uh, couple couple things sure. I wanted to talk about, but that was a pretty lengthy introduction. Um, yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> so could you uh, could you help me kind of get the grasp of what you're running for? I'm running for sheriff of Anoka County. How does sheriff relate to police department? Well, the sheriff have uh, deputy sheriffs, and those are your generally your countywide law enforcement. Where police departments are for like a local city. So, like, let's take a city in in the Anoka County area, for example. Let's say uh, Blaine, Minnesota. They have their own police department. Um, another city like Andover, Ham Lake, East Bethel. Um, they are contracted with the sheriff's office to provide them police services. So the sheriff is is the head of the sheriff's office organization. So you guys have more clout than the police. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, they, the sheriff's office covers more territory than a local, local police department would. Um, and the sheriff is the only law enforcement position in the United States. Are you driving right now? No, I'm sitting in my truck. I had a, the three kids are helping helping mom cook dinner, so it's pretty pretty noisy in the house. Oh, I, I hear that. I have the eighth nephews on the way right now. Nice. Uh, it's it's fun. It's it's like a fountain of youth having kids around. Speaking of kids, yeah, we were, to- we, were we were on the phone earlier, and you told me Facebook deleted your uh, post where you were suggesting this, um, where you were talking about getting some kind of protection inside of the school's training officers with the, so they understand like the depths of the school, all the hallways, all the little nooks and crannies of the, the perimeter, I guess is what I would call it. Yeah. Could you go into a little bit yeah, more so, depth regarding that? Yeah. So, um, you know, through, through this first time ever being involved with campaigning for anything, I, uh, decided to do some videos so people could kind of uh, get to see me, get to hear my ideas of what I'd like to accomplish if elected sheriff. And one of my ideas is creating a partnership with the schools where I meet with every school district in Anoka County and make sure that not only the sheriff's office, but also the local police departments all have working keys to get in the school in case there's ever a lockdown. Um, so then I went into talking about, you know, I would like the schools after hours when children aren't there to open the doors and let law enforcement come in and train. And by that, I mean letting the men and women who are serving our communities have a great understanding of the environment of the school, learning the layout of the land, like you said, Um, and then hosting more trains than just once a year. I I would kind of like to do four times a year of getting multiple agencies together and doing a scenario-based training with simunition rounds for the officers so they can, you know, become more competent and more confident in their abilities for if we had a, uh, a school shooter uh, come out here in Anoka County. And I guess some of the words of mass casualty and school shooter flagged Facebook and they wouldn't post my video until after I had to go through an approval process with them and they realized I wasn't advocating to go shoot schools up or cause mass casualty and that I was just talking about my plans if if I became the sheriff of Anoka County. I don't so wanna... that was that was interesting for me that, you know, I mean we can watch anything we want on YouTube or any of the other platforms, but when you start talking about this stuff as 
you know, a potentially elected official, you, you sort of get shut down and blocked out. I, I'd hate to derail from the subject of um, election, but it does kind of seem a little bit scary that there's, considering how much it does get through the filter of the algorithm, it's kind of scary considering like that. You got through the, the process of t- getting somebody to talk to you at Facebook relatively quickly, it seems like, but what if it took like a couple months and by the time your like a competitor got your position, what if by then he wasn't really talking about you know, getting people competent enough to, you know, when I, when I went to school in CP, it's really easy to daydream. Like while you're in school, it's easy to daydream. Like, Oh man, it would be sick to have like a paintball match in here. I'd go there. I'd go here. I'd hide this. This is a great, a great vantage point. Like, you know, the people that are going there every day know the land. So the fact that Facebook kind of blocked this idea, like this idea from, from, you know, getting shared around the community, having people that are looking at the news only seeing the negative clickbait about school shootings and then disregarding that somebody out there is starting to suggest solutions. I feel like that's a little bit scary, but that's more of the technocracy. It's not something on the local level that needs to be addressed. That's something like the House and the Congress has to has to um, pay attention to is that, that, that restriction of ideas. Uh, but Yeah, I... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask if we... if. So, I'm just going to read my notes because it's really hard to like pick one train and stick on those tracks. Uh, so, I, I, sure, I tried to Google around for a bit the duties of uh, deputy sheriff. The notes I got was preservation of life, apprehension of criminals, recovery of stolen property, prevention of crime, and preservation of peace. Do you think you would add anything yep. else? Yeah, I mean, we've we've all heard the monta- the montage protect and serve, right? And protection, you you talk about protecting people and protecting their property um, against criminal acts, um, and then the preservation of everyone's life. Uh, one of the things that I I think has been kind of lost in translation is like growing up in the '80s, because I'm I'm a little older than you. Um, the squad car used to come in the neighborhood and all the kids would run to the cop car, right? Because they had football cards to hand out. So like some of these common sense practices that they did in the eighties were great for their reputation in the community and being involved with the community. Cause at, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter what city you live in. I, I can say confidently, there's probably a police officer living in that community too. And you know, we need to, we need to really get back to some of those common sense principles that came out of the eighties of getting the men and women who are serving the communities back into the communities and having FaceTime with people and having a conversation with them. Um, as opposed to just driving, driving down the road and there goes the car and you never got to talk with that officer or that deputy. Speaking of community, my, my next door neighbor is actually a sheriff and then a police officer lives down the block. I feel, I feel like the safe yeah. is so safe right now. I can, I, I'm not scared of having a lot of uh, expensive technology for, from the business in, in my house while my parents are, or me are gone for a week or two. Uh, I just doxed myself. Now I just put a target on my back. I might have to cut that part <laughs> out. Yeah, well, I mean, at least people don't know your address, so there you go. Man, the internet is a scary place. Um, I wanted yeah. to touch... Yeah. touch uh, I. 
I wanted to, uh, I, so I put it on my Snapchat story, whether or not anybody had any questions. And essentially there was about two or three like big ones that I really wanted to touch. Uh, have you heard of sure. the concept of civil asset forfeiture? Yes, I have. And working four years undercover narcotics, that's something that we are involved with. So the understanding that my peers have of this is there is a degree to where it is applicable, where you find like $50,000 in somebody's car, but there's no evidence to suggest it was illegally obtained. You still don't want that 50000 reinvested into a, a, an economy that's corrupting the minds of people that build our future, right? But at the same time, their people, the the peers have this fear of getting, like if I, I bought a car just about a year ago, I was driving to Wisconsin with $10,000 cash that could have easily been seized and I would have to pay more money to get it back. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, the, the seizures don't just happen at randomly. Um, so... I can talk about like the four years of experience that I had with it. So like I would literally go car door to car door with an individual and I'd buy dope from them and I'd do this three, four times, right? Everything would be videoed, audioed, you know, whatever technology we're using at that time to, to help prove our case that, Hey, this person is dealing narcotics. They're not just a user of narcotics. Um, and then we could go back with, you know, and show that, look, they don't have a job, they have no source of income, so that car, they purchased it from the proceeds of their drug dealing. So we would end up taking their car, so they couldn't go out and be mobile drug dealers anymore. Um, and that, that went through the courts, that wasn't just my unit taking the stuff and then, you know, reusing it for our purposes. That would go to the courts, it would go through the process of civil forfeiture, and judges and attorneys would decide what happened with it at that point at that point where it's judges and attorneys is it true uh, this might be a rumor i don't have any lawyers on speed dial to verify any information like this with but is it true that uh regarding that kind of forfeiture is it true that the property is guilty until proven innocent no no so your your cops and your deputies would take something like that like the analogy you used you bought your car you drive across state lines and you have 10 grand in it there there's probably not going to be a cop on this planet that's just going to pull you over let's say you were speeding right and you're 25 over so it's not like oh you're only two miles an hour over so you get pulled over for being 25 over uh speeding the cop's not just going to pull you out of the car and say oh you're speeding guess what the car is mine and this cash in here is mine there there's no there's no way we can do that there's no probable cause we have for that versus like what i was talking about where people are actively dealing drugs out of a vehicle and we take that vehicle they can petition the courts to have their vehicle brought back but there again we go to our burden of proof right it's always on the state side to prove their case which is what i had made mention of we have audio and video recordings of everything we were doing and how many times we did it in the frequencies and we had the proof showing like look they don't they haven't had a job in 15 years how do they have this brand new car? You know, how about um, in the that situa- would be the proof we'd... I'm sorry for interrupting you. Oh, okay. No, it's all good. How about in the situation where I got pulled over and I'm naive enough to like say, hey, officer, how are you going? And then officer is talking to me like he's buddy 
And I go like, well, yeah, of course I'll let you search my car. I, I'm innocent. Like, I don't have any crimes to hide from. And then he finds the 10000 and it's, and at that point, it's suspicious. No. That doesn't nope. Mean- I've, I've come across many cars that have lots of money in them in my times. And, and yeah, the curiosity that, you know, most police officers have, I might ask you. So let's say it's you and I having this interaction, right? I stopped you. You're just, you know john q public doing your thing traveling about as a free individual and you're like yeah go ahead and search my car and bam here's 10 grand in it i may ask you like that's a lot of money where'd you get that from and at that point you don't legally have to tell me oh um i sold this and that's the proceeds of a sale or um yeah i won the lottery or i just cashed out my 401k or what have you you don't have to tell me those things you know, and let's just say you're like, I don't, I don't want to tell you. Okay, well, that's great. That's that's completely right. But unless I have a way, i.e. evidence, to have reasonable articulable suspicion or probable cause to think that that money is involved with drug dealing, I can't touch it. And just as a patrol guy, not knowing who you are or what you've done, being that I haven't been following you around and buying dope from you, I'm not taking that cash. Understood. Uh, speaking of dope, I also got the, this question um, locally in Champlin specifically. This is where I live. In Champlin, I heard somewhere on Facebook and then I saw somebody ask the question over Snapchat regarding these uh, THCO uh, edibles being, uh, I don't know if they're being banned. I don't really keep up with that. Uh, but there's something along this along the lines of the city's not letting them sell this edible. Uh, with THC uh, psychoactive ingredients, but they can sell the flower itself that you can smoke. Um, regarding the legality okay. of that, is that something up to like the city council uh, or police, like law, law, the the enforcement of the law? Because it's a little bit suspicious. Where it's illegal federally in every state, some states it's legal recreationally, and then at that point it's like this. There's still this like tree that's getting like divided into multiple branches or multiple branches. Yeah, where it's okay now the city gets to decide. So if the city gets to decide stuff that the state already decided, where does that like? Where's the, where does that finish line start? Uh, so like with. With the edibles you're talking, um, we just got an update the other day that it has to be, I can't even remember how many milligrams. It can't be over X amount of milligrams, and it can only have one uh, strain. So let's, for the ease of this conversation, let's say it was 50 milligrams of the THC. It can only have one strain of it. So I can't have 50 milligrams of this and 50 milligrams of that and 50 milligrams of this, three different types, um, to get it up to 150. Um, that's all set by uh, feds and states. When they break it down um, to the city level, cities can say, look, we don't we don't want to have this stuff sold in our city, and they can just not provide the licensure for people to to sell that type of thing. But that that doesn't have anything to do with your your everyday police officer or sheriff. that that's all made up by the the people who make the laws the senators, the legislators, Congress. Interesting. Well, I, as far as that goes, I think that when it's like 
business business not like a dark business but it's just like literally like the smoke shop off marketplace drive has a license and they sold them and then some guy mm -hmm. got pulled over and it says thc on the label in his cup holder um i was wondering whether or not that's something that would that they would get persecuted for well i mean the the, the officers sh should be asking a few questions you know, is it's no different than, say, medical marijuana. People are supposed to carry around their cards, right, because they're prescribed it by their doctor. Um, no different than having a prescription for, you know, Oxycontin if you had a surgery or something like that. Um, but, yeah, like your typical, you know, riding around with a QP in your car, that's probably not from your doctor. That's probably not from your local smoke shop, right? right? So it's just a matter of being able to ask a few questions to figure out, look, are we dealing are we dealing with something that was obtained legally at this point in time or are we dealing with something that was not? Um, understood. I think the person that asked me that question was specifically asking about amounts and you did mention that like milligram uh, little nuance. So I think that question got answered. Um, next question. Yeah, and I, I can't remember... Yeah, like I said, I can't remember the exact milligram, but I'm sure if you Google search it, um, you'll be able to find it on there because it, it should be out in the statute books. Um, usually every August 1st, they update the laws. So, I mean, it should be on there. If you just Google search how much THC can be in a gummy in the state of Minnesota, it'll probably tell you. If only there was a way to Google, like, all the laws because sometimes it feels like without, like, a whole law degree, it's like... Well, you should have known that's illegal. There's like a million illegal things I don't know I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, and you actually can. It's, uh, there, there is a website that has all the elements of crimes on it. Um, it's Revisor, R-E-V-I-S-O-R. -E so that'll have all the statutes just at your fingertips. And, yeah, I mean, if we think about knowing every single law... <laughs> Yeah, that book is extremely thick. It's thicker than the Bible. Yeah, it's it's on a, a, to a degree. It kind of seems like how much how much power writing actual code has. It kind of feels like it's uh, outdated to a certain extent. But yeah, that, there are, that's there a Congress are problem. A <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question: What's your ten-year outlook? What does fifty look like? Well, um, it can kind of go one of two ways right now, depending on how the primary vote on August 9th goes for me. Um, if if I don't make it past August 9th in the primaries, um, I got 12 years left in law enforcement. I'm going to continue to serve uh, the members of the community that I've been serving with integrity and honesty, because I, I truly believe the work I do isn't for me. I, I do this to help people out in my community. I have, you know, this like what you'd said earlier, I wake up with a purpose that I, I generally want to help people in the community. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it, you know, as, as we just see all the hate that's blasted out there from media channels and social networks and all this other stuff about how terrible the police are. But at the end of the day, like there, there is a lot of good in arresting people and bringing them to jail. There's a lot of good about having a face-to-face -face conversation with a child or a young adult or an elderly person just reassuring them that hey look we're here to help you uh, yeah the kid that has i'm, I'm going to continue to do that the kid ha that has the ha that both of his parents died into an accident he's alone in the world the first face he sees is somebody from the state so it's it's vital that yeah, there's a lot of people that take law for granted they're like 
communist anarchist anarchists like th those crowds of folk and i feel like it's just a matter yeah. of not enough information or neglect of information yeah i think that the later serves that purpose far greater than the first next question uh I, you told me we're both i have church at five o'clock i'm probably going to be very late and you're at church this morning uh this is one of the those touchy subjects uh, but it is a matter of law at this point. So what are your thoughts on these new protection acts of protection for the minority of LGBTQ community regarding uh, youth sports? And to elaborate a little bit further on that, this is coming from a story that I saw of this girl that was in, I think it was a MMA kind of a sport. She had a scholarship for wrestling, something along these lines. She had a scholarship for wrestling, and she was doing a tournament, and one of her final opponents uh, was a transgender. So it was a born male identifying as a female, and she didn't feel comfortable with getting her ass beat. So she asked not to be participated, uh, not to participate in that competition. And what the school said mm -hmm. was, if you don't, you're going to lose your scholarship. So and she did and she so she competed in the tournament and she got her shit rocked, pardon the cuss. No, it's it's all good, man. Um, you know, <laughs> we we brought up the church thing, right? And I I am an unashamed Christian man. I I actually serve as a deacon at my church. I, I believe the gospel from front to back is truth, and nobody's ever going to convince me otherwise. With that being said, um, rolling into the job I have and the job I'm seeking, I try to treat everybody equally. I don't, I don't care about your race, your religion, your color, your creed, or your sexual orientation. I still have a job to do at the end of the day, and I can't treat a group of people differently because they're more like me, so to speak, right? Um, people who go to church or people who will have one side of the argument saying there's only two genders, men and women, versus the other side of the argument with however many there are. I, I can't be partial to one group or another. Personally, I, I, don't, I don't agree with men competing against women in those types of sports. I think it's wrong. We're 90, <laughs> the vast majority of us are built differently, and there's a reason for that, right? I, I wouldn't expect a 110-pound woman to fight a 210 pound man can it happen yeah uh, it, it does happen and even in law enforcement there are smaller statute females who inevitably get put into a use of force situation and they're fighting with guys that are twice their size but at a, at a school level i i don't agree with it personally but that doesn't affect my professionalism with people I think my mom would like that answer. My niece, my niece wants to be a cop when she grows up, and I'm like, have you considered that? Like, what if you had to arrest Shaq, Dasha? What if you had to arrest Shaq? How would you feel? Uh, how competent would you feel to accomplish this task? And then she started considering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if she's high school age, uh, whatever city she lives in, tell her to look at that local police department or the county, and see if they have an explorer program because that'll get her in to the building and she'll be taught by licensed police officers some of the things we do um you know i was involved with that for quite a while helping these kids learn what we do because at the end of the day when you become a cop if you work your whole career you're in it for about 33 years 
uh, here in Minnesota. One of my old best that's, best that's buddies a- was, was part of uh, po- Police Explorers, and he testifies that it's a really, really uh, information-packed experience. Like, you kind of get a better concept of truth as an idea because you see, like, you see, you, you have a n- brand new perspective. Like, you have to think really hard about putting yourself in a cop's shoes because you guys are honestly the most hated people. Is it not true? Not by not by people that have aged by understanding, but the people that do uh, inherit the country are the people most naive to what built the country, including myself. I'm not like excusing myself. I do. Uh, everybody gets a speeding ticket at one point and goes like, "Man, uh, now I have to pay like for the state. I have to pay 120 dollars, which is honestly more than fair." But because of that, then my insurance goes up 1500 a year. And my car is only worth a thousand dollars. Like that seems like I just got abused. Yeah, yeah, and I I completely understand that. Um, it <laughs> the the problem is, is there's so many facets that you you just talked about right there, and educating ourselves about our constitutional rights and what you know our state laws are to to kind of proceed at you know. Uh, as an informed citizen, right? Um, and then we take that as because we weren't, you, you can't get onto somebody because they don't know what they don't know, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the times when you issue citations to people for traffic offenses or other things, yeah, there's there's a lot of anger that goes with it because essentially that ticket is pulling money right out of their pocket. There might be some embarrassment going on there too, all sorts of emotions that just tend to get spewed up right on the uniform there at the time. And, you know, over the last 19 years, I've seen a a really big shift to where if somebody had a bad experience with one cop one time, now it's all cops are bastards, right? So they're, they're judging the entire profession due to one interaction. And that, you know, we, we talk about fairness of everything. That That's completely unfair to judge one interaction with one guy or girl on how you're going to base the rest of your interactions with how many different people wear a uniform. You know, it's over 10,000 in Minnesota. How do you feel about, uh, I don't remember the exact name of it, red flag laws? Are you familiar oh, with that? Oh, red flag laws. Yeah. I absolutely hate them. I might give a brief. Ex- I, I love that answer. I'm gonna give a brief, give a brief explanation. Like this is a borderline, like a high school diploma, nothing more, no higher education. But a red flag law is essentially like, if I'm, if I'm suicidal, let's say, like the the most, where it would make the most sense, if any at all, is if I'm suicidal and my girl knows I'm suicidal and I'm like crying in the gym parking lot with my gun in my car. My girl can say, listen, my boyfriend has these thoughts. I don't think he's safe with the firearm. And then the state gets the power to uh, take it away, right? Yeah, or there's there's many different circumstances that come in. Um, my, my solution to that, and I've actually used this where people have called in and they've got a family member that, you know, is, is having some type of trouble, whether it's undiagnosed mental illness or... They had a traumatic event in their life, and they, they just haven't worked through that problem yet with, you know, help through doctors or through a church group or something. They're just, they're still internalizing everything 
why why is the family not stepping in and helping out more you know it, it's a very rare case where it's a person who's so disconnected from uh blood family or good friends why are these people not stepping up and helping that person i, I can tell you if one of my friends was going through that type of thing and i've actually had this yeah i went to his house i talked with him and yeah i took his guns from him for a while for safekeeping not as a cop but as a friend and once things were better with him gave him his stuff back you know yeah there are times where i've taken while i've been in uniform people's guns away from him and i'm not talking i was working undercover narcotics and people were selling dope and they had guns on them absolutely i'm taking that but to safe keep them for people until hey things are fine and then here you go this is your property have it back i i don't agree at all with the state being able to come in off of what one person was saying and take somebody's firearms from them you know i'm a, i'm an avid hunter i'm an avid shooting sport enthusiast and i just like guns i think they're cool the difference between myself and people out in the community is i actually taught my children what a firearm is how to handle it and what they can do i've never had a gun go off I've, I've been around guns since i was two years old like i said i'm 43 so that's 41 years of being around guns i've never had a gun grow legs walk off and shoot itself it's always because my finger depressed the trigger right so we get into this argument here with people who, who are always pointing the finger at guns and guns are evil guns are bad well no point the finger at the person who's using the gun we don't, we don't blame the fork for people being obese. We don't blame a vehicle manufacturer when somebody gets drunk up and drives around and crashes into things. It's not Ford or Toyota or Chevy's fault. No, we blame the person. The only time we blame the inanimate object is when it comes to guns. And it, it's just it's ludicrous to me that we're going to blame something that is incapable of controlling itself. Yeah, I think it's... it's uh... You can blame knives. You can like in China. You if you want a kitchen knife, a butcher's knife, you have to get it serialized with a QR code to even own it. Uh, I feel like there's it's, it's the same way. If you want this gun to control, you're only going to make citizens obey the law. If it's a crime to own a gun, criminals are still criminals. Like it, it makes it's log it's it's just logic. Correct. I mean, we look at Chicago. They have some of the strictest gun laws in our nation. Absolutely. And look at the gun violence they have there. <laughs> it's an absolute joke. Yeah. Um, so. Where you go to. Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, my family immigrated to America, the land of opportunity, from the former Soviet Union. And what they saw there is, you know, it's still echoing. And they, they teach me these things. And I'm going to teach my kids these things where it, you know, it. In a time of prosperity, it's really difficult to see what can go wrong. But when things are going wrong, it's they're going wrong, and that it's really hard to keep 2020 vision uh, without considering like all the nuances and minutia that go into making like uh, like hard times make strong men, strong men make good times, good times make weak men, weak men make hard times, that kind of cycle. So considering that. Yeah. Um, when the laws are no longer for the people but above the people, that's when revolutions happen. Do you think that there's any anti-human laws right now? Any anti-human laws? Well, I mean, we can we can always go back to what this country is founded on, the Constitution. And that lays out pretty clearly what everybody's rights are. 
And the, the sad thing is, is society has decided to take these and try to twist them and make them something they're not. The words are the words, you know. Well, we'll go back to the to the gun argument in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Well, that means I have a right to own guns. And people say, oh, that was for, you know, back then with a musket. Well, okay, let's apply that same logic to uh, our freedom of speech in the press, right? So does that mean that all social media should be banned and shut down and television should be shut down because they didn't have that stuff back then? No. Um, so one of my plans um, is to actually host courses at the sheriff's office to help educate people on their constitutional rights and their rights as a citizen of the United States and of this state. That way the community has a great interaction with the sheriff's office and they actually get informed about what it is. That way, if there are things that are coming down the pipeline from the, the great think tank of Congress and legislators, more of us will be able to look at that and go, wait a minute, no, not a chance in the world. This is a violation of our, of our rights as a United States citizen. It's not happening. I'm happy to hear it. The Constitution is one of the things that make this like it's a beautiful it's a beautiful like cat and mouse chase because without the Constitution, we wouldn't be able to have a free market that is so manipulative of the people. But without the people, we wouldn't have been able to make this free market in the first place. So uh, it's a mm -hmm. loop. It's a loop. And the only way to break it is to break the Constitution itself. And that makes it kind of bulletproof because it, it has this protection of free speech, press, me. And then uh, gun ownership, which is, you know, probably a, there's a gun behind every blade of grass here. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> the only, the only, the only pessimistic thing I I can see happening is in internal, like ci civil disagreements, and that kind of leads me into um, talking about like since 2020, this has been uh, on top priority list of media to talk about, which is. Black Lives Matter, the organization, like the actual LLC company that's like uh, admitted themselves. Like it's not me pointing any fingers. They admitted themselves they're communist, and going beneath that, that there is statistics and there are numbers, and you know the numbers. Um, how do you make sense of these numbers? I, I can clarify. Well, yeah. But would you please it's it's something like the minority can uh the minority of the population commits the majority of the crime okay yeah and i would say that holds true um you know every every cop who's been working their beat for two three years knows the people who usually cause the problems it's not every citizen it's a small percentage of people that are involved in crime criminal elements and criminal organizations and i mean after working the streets a while you learn who these people are and you pay some extra attention to them because they're the ones that are going out victimizing people yeah they'll they'll holler and scream that oh you're being unfair and you're profiling me and you're this and that well stop committing crimes and i wouldn't be hanging out everywhere you go um <laughs> you know and well, what's upsetting what, what is that people that are complaining are white the black the black folk understand like that they they're they understand they they want their kids to be safe they don't want their kids to be cracked out when they turn 16 
Like it's the people that have the most comfort complaining about this this discomfort happening currently. Mm. I I feel like somebody yeah. somebody needed to say it with somebody um, that's behind the badge that can also agree with that perspective. Yeah, and you know one of one of the main problems with this whole conversation is not a lot of people are willing to have a civil conversation with each other. You know, what I, what I found is when I tried talking to people, cause we all, we all have different life experiences, which make us different per se, our viewpoints on things because of the way we grew up or uh, an event that happened in our life. We're all going to have a different perspective on things. Well, back when I was a kid, a teenager, a young man, I could at least talk with somebody who didn't have the same viewpoints as me. Granted, I might not have been able to convince them to my way of thinking, but at least we could have a conversation with each other like you and I are right now, having just a conversation. There's no anger. There's no hatred. There's no me yelling and then putting an IST at the end of uh, mm. a couple catchphrases. Isms. It, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I just, I have to laugh anymore when, you know, the second I show up on a scene, I get called a racist and I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> like, Cool. That that's where you're at, and they won't even have a conversation with me to see that I I'm not that type of person. You know, I'm here because I got called, or I generally care about people. Um, I feel like the, that self ent- self entitlement, like we have this history of 200 years of, and we have this hi- that's kind of entitled because the times in 200 years have accelerated so much. We're on the moon. First of all, we're on the moon. Times have changed, uh, but second of all, like yeah. there's a lot of I don't know. This can be a whole podcast on its own, so I don't want to like you know stir the flames. If if you were to yell about anything or get, get like passionate about anything, what would it be? You know, it's law and order. Um, we we have laws that we've accepted as a society. And we've asked for these protections, right, to make us feel safe and secure in our neighborhoods. What what really burns me is when police officers go out and do good work they make a good arrest all the elements of the crimes are met you know the person that was committing these crimes or due process was met on the street meaning you know they didn't get roughed up for no reason they got handcuffs that were put on check for fit double locked if we question them about that crime specifically they were read miranda rights things were done by the book and we bring them to jail attorneys and judges flush the case so to speak they complain deny they refuse to charge it or judges you know letting people out and here we are again they're committing the same crime there's been this large cry out for transparency with law enforcement and that's good we we should be transparent in what we're doing because we are servants of the people but we're not the only part of the criminal justice system we need we need to have this same transparency and the same accountability with the attorneys and judges that that's what really frustrates me as a cop when i put together a great case and nobody charges it yeah. the county attorneys the city attorneys and the judges are just literally letting people out the door because they don't agree with it well i at the end of the day i don't care if you agree with me or not were the elements of the crime met yes they were there needs to be some consequences otherwise we have lawlessness and i'm not good with that I don't want that. I don't want Anoka County turning into what Hennepin County is becoming. 
I, I love that you said that because it seems like everybody and their mother would love to hold uh, a fellow human accountable, but nobody, unless they have their ear open to activism, nobody wants to like acknowledge that the police officers are doing a job in the sense of they just have to get the customer. Like, not I don't know how to put this into words without any lack of thought. People love to shit on cops, but nobody ever talks about a prosecutor or a judge or an attorney. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I mean, and that that's the sad thing because you know people will scream that we're we're taking away people's rights, their freedom of movement. Right? We're talking about Fourth Amendment search and seizure. If it's done legally, I as a police officer can only hold you in jail for 36 or 48 hours, depending on where we are in the week, until I have to write an affidavit that is reviewed by the attorney and then signed off by a judge. So, like, let's say we're heading into uh, Christmas, right? So I arrest you on the 22nd at, you know, midnight. So it's coming into the 23rd now. No court is held on December 24th or 25th, so now you're sitting in jail for four or five days before you can see a judge. I actually have to fill out a piece of paper that an attorney approves, and then the judge approves to keep them there. Judges and attorneys, when they're prosecuting the case and the judge is presiding over it, a judge has the ability to sentence people all the way to life in jail, right, in prison. Why is there not any transparency there with things? That That is <laughs> a far substantial deprivation of people's freedom of movements than the 36 or 48 hours I drop you off at the county jail for. Yes, sir. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Speaking of moving violations, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, self-proclaimed, uh, I forget what the, what, what the proper term is, sovereign citizens? Oh, the sovereign citizens? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of those guys at all. Uh, where they only recognize the sheriff being the elected official as the only law enforcement they have around. Um, <laughs> I've actually had several run-ins with these people, and it's it's comical. They try to put liens on your property and this and that, and they file a bunch of garbage paperwork with the courts to make your life a, a living hell, so to speak. Um, you know, th- this this kind of all ties in with you know this this communist and the socialist movement that we're we're seeing now. If you don't like the way the country is being run and you're not willing to stand up and try to run for office to change it nobody's holding you here you can gladly leave the country you know you have if, to pay taxes you think life when is going to be better <laughs> Did you what's know? that i actually looked into this um if you denounce your citizenship in america uh you're invoiced for taxes really <laughs> So the government, the government's going to take more of your money because you want to leave. Yes, that's sir. awesome. Yeah. Oh, that, that's that's me being very sarcastic. A parting gift. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of big government at all. As far as I'm concerned, Uncle Sam has his hands too far in my pockets all the time. Amen. Um, but that's that's a different subject. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, during the COVID 2020 lockdowns. There is a lot of confusion. This is where I started to kind of get some clarity and stopped kind of listening and started more thinking independently. Um, this is where every a lot of people I know, like a good like 60-70% started to fall off of any argument because they couldn't really re- like come back with this point. Um, so you 
it's people are uncomfortable with having to show identification to enter a building like a vaccine passport or any passport at all and businesses were completely fine with not needing a, a vaccine passport but the thing is is if they didn't comply with quote-unquote mandates they were fine so it was enforced by law um it wasn't the businesses choosing to lose the business it was the businesses uh enforcing this like vaccine mandate or vaccine passport uh because if not they would have been fined and this wasn't an america problem i saw this more in canada than anywhere um the hearing from hearing what you what you like what you value hearing your values i would anticipate that like if monkeypox starts to go crazy or COVID-20 comes out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm confident that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be ignorant of how the people uh, direct their hearts towards this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, my, my position on that. So let's, let's go with the monkeypox. We've got 6,000 years of people being on this earth, and uh, it's never showed up before, but now here it is, and it's the next boogeyman tactic, right? Um, so monkeypox 2023, we're here. I'm the elected sheriff of Anoka County, and uh, let's just say, God forbid, Governor Walls is still in office, and he <laughs> mandates that businesses will require vaccine cards and this and that, or he's going to find them. Well, cool but who is going to report those businesses don't come knocking at my door and tell me i need to report to you to tell you what businesses are open and operating because i'm not doing it if that's something that the government the the feds and the state want to do find your own cronies to do that my my sheriff's office will not take part in that nor will i be there and writing out tickets to them oh if you're open today that's that's a state fine no I'm not about to dip my hands in another individual's livelihood because of, you know, some unconstitutional mandate. We're at 49 minutes. We have 10 minutes left if we want to make it an hour. Um, do you have any any kind of perspectives that you would share about what's happening in the global scheme where, like, I know this is more of, like, a local conversation, but seeing Russia and Ukraine and then following Pelosi's visit to Taiwan and China's reaction to that. And then all things considered Russia, uh, India, Brazil, China making G7 and creating their own currency, which will be stealing 30% of all of the U.S. dollars in the world. How do you feel about Bitcoin? Well, I, I don't have any Bitcoin just because I work for the government, right? They pay me a dime and tax me a dollar. I can't afford it. Um, I'm hesitant with any type of Bitcoin or all the other ones out there um, because it, everything looks like it's leaning towards one world money. Um, you know, and for people who can't afford Bitcoin, what what are we supposed to do then to procure items that we need gasoline so we can go back and forth to work or you know clothes shoes food um all that type of thing do it do i think it's it's a great idea for for people who can afford it in an open free market environment yeah it, it's great what what i feel needs to change is the leadership of this country and i'll call president biden out on this he's he's not a good leader i'm i'm not a, a bang my drum to 
to Donald Trump, but if we look at the difference in the economy when he was in office versus where we're at now, take gas prices, for example, or the cost of a pound of hamburger, there's a big difference, you know, and that's because the policies that were in place at that point in time work better than they do now. Everything's more expensive now. Um, people are making less money now, and it's because of piss poor policy and terrible leadership that we have. We, we need good men and women to stand up and they're actually going to listen to the people who elected them and not to the people who line their pockets with money. You know, like I, like I said, that's a whole other subject for me. I am, I am anti-big government through and through to the day's end. I think there needs to be term limits so they can't get embedded with lobbyists and other organizations like big tech. Um, make it like a jury duty selection. Like, congratulations for the next four years you're going off to serve as a senator or a legislator and when you're done go back to your normal job type of thing um may i interrupt and drain the swamps out you know i heard this idea from a comedian so i don't know how much merit it really has but they they said why don't we start charging people that want to go into office like you have to pay to get in yeah um or we you know prevent some of the robust bonus packages they have like free health care for them and their family for the rest of their lives like i i work for the government too in a capacity and i have to pay out of pocket for health care that is terrible and doesn't cover anything that's a shame you know it's an actual um, shame yeah why why should somebody who is at, at the end of the day you look at the president the highest elected official office in the united states all the way down to the least why should a public servant who's elected by their people be making millions and millions and millions of dollars a year? It's unethical. I think the basis of their point was that in ancient Greece, uh, it was only the affluent people that really got to make the decisions. Um, so that it's not that we would stop you know, voting because it's a beautiful thing to vote, but more that the representatives are people that excelled in business rather than uh, blabbering their mouth yeah and i mean i i've noticed since i started watching campaign accounts right your your general oh i'm running for let's say state representative my opponent did this did this is that is this so vote for me you, these people don't talk about who they are at a core you never hear about their values or what they're going to try to do and implement it's just smear campaign left and right on everything. And that, to me, that speaks volume about a person's character. If you can't even stand up and have a conversation with somebody and tell them your beliefs on where, where you are and who you are. My opinion, you got no business being in office in the first place then because that, that just breeds deception to me. Yeah, there's from, I've done a couple, a couple hours of research here and there a lot of people that are running for office try so 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 hard and it's evident like you're you're just speaking out of both sides of your mouth to walk like this fine line of please the republicans and the democrats and it kind of leaves you so watered down that i don't even understand what your concrete foundation is like you're based mr tom you said get I'm sorry, I mispronounced your name at the beginning of this podcast because there's a a, a comedian a comedian I saw that shares the same spelling. Um, that's my okay. my bad. Uh, 
No, it's all good, man. <laughs> it, it's it's commonly mispronounced because, I mean, if we look if we look at the way it's spelled, it's Gagnon, right? But my last name happens to re- resound with the uh, small part of me that is French Canadian yes, um, from my family's history, so it's Gagno. <laughs> Gagno. That's beautiful. And no, I'm I know I'm not uh, not a person to surrender, and no, I haven't tried frog legs yet. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you don't surrender. Um, we have uh, five, is it four minutes. Do you want to take three minutes and tell me if you believe there's a deep state or not? Uh, well, I'll put it to you this way: I I never really got into conspiracy theories right that might be a legal question for me to ask i'm sorry (laughs) it's all good man i know who i am at a core and i'm not scared to speak my beliefs my my world of is it plausible has expanded greatly so let's just say back in 2012 right let's go 10 years back my world of plausible was about the size of a golf ball so we can have some type of representation now my is it plausible? Is it about the size of a Pacific Ocean? And where I'm at with that stuff. What if I told you that the deep state is being uh, on the side of Bitcoin? As in, if everybody I talk to knows how much I understand about Bitcoin, they kind of start seeing me as a person of influence, regardless if I have 100 followers or a million followers. They see me as the guy that understands mm-hmm. what's happening in the economy, and they listen to me because they let, they're confident whatever I influence them with it's because I did my research to a degree I feel like there isn't a the, maybe there's this small chance left that there is an actual group of like people that uh, you know the Illuminati let's call it the Illuminati that maybe they actually exist and they are making like differences in culture rather than state and then that that difference in culture is influencing the state and then the state is influencing the people that mm-hmm might be very real but i think the real like deep state that people always talk about is actually the people themselves i don't feel like there's um as much like when people like demonize uh what they see from tv it's not an actual like physical like demon that possessed a person to move this way versus that way it's just the fact that listen we're at war. I need to make a tough decision. Do I support Ukraine or do I get these funds back into my own country? How bad do we need Ukraine? It pissed a lot of people off that we went into Ukraine and it pissed a lot of people off that we, that we, uh, I lost my train of thought. Shoot. <laughs> All right. We can finish that up a, a different time. We're actually at 59 minutes. Um, but I hope you, I hope you can kind of resonate with what I was saying. I, I'm talking to the audience right now where people, politicians, generally most, People that are running for office are running because they don't want to get their pockets fat. It's because they want like this degree of power. Uh, because with power, you can do evil, but you can do a lot of good with power. And I feel like 70 to 90% of the office has good intentions. Point blank, period. Mm-hmm. It just so happens to be that yes. there's so many twists and turns on the way that to reach those good intentions that you can derive all these clickbaity articles about oh biden's ruining the economy because there was literal war and there's going to be literal famine and there's literal plagues like and it's all all of that is biden's fault like that's a little bit unreasonable but i I would agree with that but you, you still as as a person elected by the people have to stand up and do what's right for the people not what's right for yourself because at, at the end of the day 
being a leader is not a right. It's a privilege. And I, I find that most people that are in the power, the elected, don't really view it that way. As a leader, it's about what can I do for my people, not what can the people do for me. Absolutely. I think every single boss I've had, they were, they were cert- like, their business was not dealing with the people putting money in their pocket. Their entire business revolved around the people that they were paying. If their workers were happy, they didn't have to worry about their customers. Yeah. That's a great sign of leadership, but we're at one hour exactly just now. Um, All right, man. Do you want to leave any any kind of words? I'm going to get this uploaded immediately. I'm going to talk to everybody that I I know would love to share this and try to get it uh, around the community as quick as possible. Yeah, just just make sure people go out on uh, this Tuesday, August 9th and uh vote through the primaries you know our our voices need to be heard and if if i'm the guy that resonates with you and i earn your vote outstanding if i'm not cool i get that but make your voices heard get out tuesday is a very special day at my audience tuesday is a very special day because i start everybody here that that's listening to this right now and probably knows me in person to some degree or another everybody knows that i've been trying to do photography ever since I was like 14 years old. Um, this Tuesday is a very special day because Mr. Gagnon, Gagnon is, has his chance to be the person that we all connect with as Gen Z in order for uh, Generation Alpha to see how our generation of Z and millennials did not fold under the pressures of headlines and tech and algorithms that are strictly uh, capitalistic. I feel like we got to get out there on Tuesday specifically because it's a very special day. Um, Tom, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you giving the time to the community. I, I feel like that's a really, like, you don't know who I am. You don't know how large my audience. And you still say yes because you actually have clarity about your purpose. And I can respect that on so many levels. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for reaching out to me. And if uh, I get through the August 9th date and you want to do this again in Octoberish or September, reach out, man. You got my number. I'll, I'll gladly talk with you about any of the issues you want to talk about, man. Sweet. I'll, I'll get you the link to this as soon as it's uh, processed on the servers. Thanks. I appreciate that. Right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys kind of derived some kind of new, like, perspective at least if not a complete full-on decision of what you're going to do this tuesday uh, unfortunately i i didn't have the opportunity with my time management to get any of like city council or mayors or governors to hop on but i i, I really do feel like it's it, it should start more of like at a local level like who's the my neighbor my name my literal neighbor is a sheriff it's it, it really is about neighbors yeah um, but anyways, uh, thank you, everybody. Make sure to share this with a neighbor. And as always, listen harder. And we're done. All right, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, that felt